Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Wrestling from the Crowd Extra. My name is Ray, and this is a full review of AEW's Full Gear. Now, this pay-per-view was fantastic. It probably was one of the best pay-per-views of 2020. Yes, it did beat the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. That was my pay-per-view of the year, but this just took it over by a landslide. Hell in a Cell had three really good matches, and that was their marquee matches, which was the Hell in a Cell. But AEW tonight had a super perfect show. It was really good. All the matches were in-depth fantastic played on a storyline and they just did a hell of a job one year later we are still thriving AEW is still climbing their way to the top of the wrestling world and congratulations to all of them now we're gonna start this off with the buy-in it was Allison K versus Serena Deb for the NWA Women's Championship we seen both women lock up early and exchange multiple holds no one was really able to gain control and have a huge advantage we seen Serena Deb take advantage by attacking the legs of Allison then she tries to lock on her finish but K gets to the ropes then both women exchange slaps then k takes her down for a ground and pound we see k finally build up some momentum but serena deb cuts it off with a guillotine choke k once again goes on the attack and then deb stops it once again with the submission but cave strength proved to be too much we've seen a back and forth contest late match the end match spot was serena regains control until k counters it with an alabama slam then she hits her ak-47 but the veteran serena deb rolls out and then when rolled back in she delivers a dragon screw to k and then hits her finishing move but then she gets the near fall so she locks on her submission special for the win so we seen serena deb retain that nwa women's championship and it was also announced that allison k is now a free agent she you know she parted ways with the nwa so maybe aw should pick her up because she's really a good wrestler then after the match we seen thunder rosa come out and go face to face with serena deb we know serena deb took that title from thunder rosa 11 days ago so these two have some unfinished business now we move on to the main show full gear on its whole we see omega versus hangman early in the start we see don Callis is on commentary the match begins there's no handshake it's a super quick start by both men we see kenny go for a tope but hangman counters it with a big boot the fight then spills to the outside where both men exchange chops on the barricade then page was in control until page irish whipped him into the barricade but omega counters with the backs flip moonsault off the barricade to take control of the match we see hangman begins to build some momentum then he goes for a dive but omega then hits his signature tope we then see hangman and omega going back and forth hangman goes for a buckshot larry but ends up eating a v-trigger then they take the fight to the ramp then page delivers a pop-up powerbomb on the ramp then one in the ring as well for a near fall we see both men slugging it out in the center of the ring omega then hits a tiger driver 98 for a near fall we then see hangman build some momentum getting hot hitting a flurry then he hits his finisher the dead eye for a near fall we see hangman go for a buckshot then omega stops it with the dragon screw then a v trigger then omega was running to the ropes but then hangman goes for a lariat omega then ducks it omega then catches him in a one-winged angel position but hangman is trying to move his head he's trying to bob and weave so he can't grab it but he ends up hitting the one-winged angel anyway to pick up the win and move on to go fight john or eddie kingston for that aw world championship now this was a hell of a match it was a hell of an opener what a way to start the show these two men put on an absolute clinic and i would love to see these two go at it again they really did their thing in this match we move on to the next match which was john silver versus orange cassidy it had a comedic start we see john silver telling orange cassidy not to put his hands in his pockets you can hear tony Schiavone saying like listen how about you just don't let him put it in there how about you do something about it and then once he puts his hands in his pocket he's like oh man you put your hands in your pocket but then we see orange speeds up then silver stops it with a body 
body slam. Then he ends up ripping the pockets off of Orange Cassidy's pants. Silver then starts tossing Orange Cassidy around. Orange then tries to mount some offense, but Silver's strength proved to be too much. We see Cassidy build momentum off a of reversal, then goes on the attack. Orange Cassidy then goes to the top. Then Silver tries to stop him, but he ends up fighting Silver's off. But we see Silver come back with a Inseguri. Then he gorilla press slammed Orange Cassidy with one hand. Then he hits a knee and goes for the spin doctor, but Orange Cassidy reverses it into a Hurricanrana. Then the match really speeds up. Both men are hitting flurries. Then Silver tries to channel his inner Brody Lee and tries to go for discus, but Orange Cassidy ends up countering it with an orange punch. Then the beach break for the win. Now this match was way better than I expected. I thought this match was just going to be a joke show the whole time, but these two men really gave it their all. And John Silver did a hell of a job. Even JR endorsed him and said, this guy deserves a championship opportunity. This guy is fantastic. So shout out to both of those men for giving it their all and to putting on a better clinic than most people expected. Now we move on to our first match of the evening that involves a championship. Darby Allen versus Cody Rhodes for the TNT title. Darby's entrance was he came on a car and then he smashes the windshield of the car. We also see Cody come out with his nightmare family and we learn that Cody Rhodes is now using the Rhodes name. He was addressed as the American Nightmare Cody Rhodes. So it's good to see that now he gets to use his father's name and it's very very a, a very proud moment for a wrestling fan. We see the referee is Mike Kyoto. So now we're going to start this match. We see Cody get the best of a lockup early with Darby Allen. Then Darby tries again but once again Cody gets the best of it. We see Darby Allen smack Cody Rhodes in the back of the head which fires him up so he rolls out to the ring just to go over strategy with Arn Anderson. We see Cody stops Darby's aerial assault. Then he throws him off the ramp in a hammerlock position. Then his focus become Darby Allen's arm. Cody held the control. Then Darby tries to build some momentum but Cody would not let him. We see Cody taunts and it upsets Arn Anderson. Cody has an answer for everything Darby Allen threw. Then he hits an avalanche shoulder breaker and then an armbar. But Darby reaches the rope so then he goes for a moonsault and Darby ends up moving and he builds some well needed momentum. We see Cody Rhodes go for a crossroads. Then Darby fights it off. Then he rips the turnbuckle off and sends Cody right into it. Then we see Cody come back later in the match to hit an avalanche crossroads. Then he gets a near fall because Darby hand was under the rope. We see Darby put Cody in a sleeper with one hand. We see Cody then go up to the top rope carrying Darby Allen and he drops backwards with Darby Allen on his back. It looked like a coffin drop. That's what I thought they were going to say, but it wasn't a coffin drop at all. We see then Darby rolls out and almost gets counted out, but he didn't. We see Darby not staying down, so it upsets Cody. Cody was going to use his strap, but didn't. Then Darby Allen rolls him up for a near fall. We see Darby Allen finally come alive with a flurry, then hits a stunner and a coffin drop for a near fall. Then Cody attempts a crossroads, but Darby counters it with a roll up. Then they go back and forth on pin attempts till Darby's pin attempts gets him the win to become the new TNT championship. So these two men going back and forth, back and forth this whole match. Cody had an answer to everything. And then it just so happens that Darby Allen won this match with a pinfall victory over Cody Rhodes. And you know what happened to be a sequence of pins. So congrats to Darby Allen. But after the match, Cody goes on one knee and gives Darby Allen the title, showing him the respect. Now Darby Allen is the face of TNT. But then we see Taz come out. He tells Darby to man up with the cry. You know, I know you've never done this before, but get over it. He tells Darby to take the Prince of Pro Wrestling's bitch ass to the back. Then we see Brian Cage and Ricky Starks come from behind and attack Darby Allen and Cody Rhodes. But then something interesting happens. We see Cage and Starks pick up the title at the same time. Then they start to tug a war with each other, but Taz has to step in. So that's kind of like a little insane there because these two are on the same team, but they both want the same thing. I don't think Brian 
Hurricane should go after the TNT Championship. He is number one in the AEW Championship rankings. Ricky Stark should be going after the TNT title. So I wonder, does this cause some, you know, confusion within the group? We see Starks and Cage then drag Darby Allen's lifeless body to the back. But Cody tries to help him, but he can't because he's so tired from this match. Brian Cage ends up tossing him into the barricade. Then they throw Darby Allen through a prop. We see Brian Cage then pick up Darby Allen once again. They take him to that car he came with on the entrance. Then they put him on top of the hood and put his arm in the car door. They was about to slam his arm into the door to break it, but Will Hobbs makes the save. So I guess FTW and Taz has their answer. Will Hobbs is not joining their faction and he came to save Darby Allen. So maybe Darby Allen's going to have some protection from Will Hobbs from now on. So like I said, all around this match was really good. I'm so glad that Darby Allen finally got his chance to shine. He finally has some gold around his waist. This kid has been doing fantastic since he's got an AW a year ago. He he's he's just the top and I can't really doubt anything this kid has done. So congrats to you Darby Allen. Now we move on to another title match. It is Hikaru Shida versus Nyla Rose for the AW Women's Championship. We see Shida stun Nyla early, then is holding the control by taking the fight to Nyla until the fight spills outside where Shida sets up a chair. Then when Shida runs, Nyla just clotheslines her. Then Nyla tries to get some weapons, but the ref ends up stopping it. Then we see Nyla get blindsided by a knee by Hikaru Shida knocking her through the barricade. Then while the ref was distracted, Vicky hits Hikaru Shida with the kendo stick and then it was all Nyla Rose. We see Nyla Rose targeting Shida's legs. She used the ring post, she used the rails under the ring and she hit a vicious chop lock. We see Shida trying to stop Nyla at the top but Nyla ends up knocking her off. Then we see Nyla go for a senton but Shida moves. We see Shida then suplex Nyla Rose and I was like Jesus she really lifted her. That was incredible. I, I didn't know she posed that type of strength to lift up Nyla Rose. We see Shida then try another suplex but Nyla grips the knee to stop the assault. Then she slams Shida. She then lifts her up and hangs her on the ropes. She goes up to the top turnbuckle and drops that knee into Hikaru Shida's already hurt leg. She then attempts to go for the pin but it ends up becoming a near fall. Then she goes back to attacking the legs of Hikaru Shida. We see both women battle at the top. Then Shida gets the best knocking Nyla off to the ramp. She then hits a drop kick to the outside and then one inside as well to get a near fall. We see both women countering each other until Nyla Bomb hits a power bomb. Then she goes for the cover which she breaks to use Shida's finisher which she does but then Shida kicks out at one. Then we see Shida build some momentum and she hits an avalanche falcon arrow off the top rope. She goes for the pin but she breaks her own pin just like Nyla Rose. Then she goes for the knee but Vicky ends up sweeping the feet of Hikaru Shida. We see Hikaru Shida then go to the outside distracted by Vicky. We see Nyla try to take control but Hikaru Shida ends up pushing Nyla Rose into Vicky taking her out. Then we see the fight spill back into the ring. We see Hikaru Shida hit her finishing knee twice but both times Nyla Rose kicked out. Then Shida got tired of her kicking out so she delivered four straight knees to finally pick up the win and retain her AEW Women's Championship. This was a really good match and mind you this match did not have a lot of build up around it. The, the opening promo had more build up than they had build up throughout the, the whole time they had this story going. So kudos to them for putting on a better match than what AEW showed it could have been. After the match we seen Vicky yelling at Nyla Rose and then she slaps her. I thought Vicky was going to take a bump right here and go down but Nyla ends up just not attacking her because Vicky leaves and that's how that ended. So all around good match between those women. Now we're moving on to the next AEW title match. We move on to the Young Bucks versus FTR for the AEW tag team titles and this match is four years in the making. These guys had a 
rivalry in different companies and now they finally clash and remember if the young bucks lose they can never challenge for those aew tag team titles ever again so now we're gonna start this match we've seen max and cash engage in a collar elbow tie-up but it's even then we see cash try to go after the ankle of matt jackson multiple times but is unable to we see both teams has a standoff after a tag then dax and nicks battle for control we see dax then grabs nicks hair to tag in cash but cash can't take advantage then we get great tag team offense from the young bucks until cash blasts nick with an elbow to tag in dax who takes control we see nick tried to build some momentum but ftr stops it for a second until nick's counters a double back body drop and then him and matt run to ftr who went for power bombs and it was countered into hurricanranas we see dax had matt against the ring post he then goes for a punch but matt moves and dax punches the ring post which caused the young bucks to take control and then the young bucks started to attack the hand of dax ftr then takes advantage matt tried the moonsault but that leg couldn't handle it at all he was down on the outside and then ftr takes advantage but then we see cash get tagged in and dax goes to the ringside doctor because a gash on his hand but they were still in control of an injured matt jackson whose focus was on his leg we see ftr cuts the ring off stopping the tag then matt fights off dax but cash attacks nick on his side of the ring making sure matt stays in the match we see cash get the tag and he tries to dive on matt but he moves then dax throws cash into the ring to help him make the tag and i thought that was phenomenal tag team wrestling you seen that your partner you know missed the move you throw him back in the ring and you make sure you keep the tags going and you keep everything frequent and that's exactly what they did they stood on matt jackson and they held him down but then we see a nick hot tag and you know he has one of the best hot tags in the business in pro wrestling in general we see nick go for a dive and then dax catches him and him and cash hit the heart attack then they try to go for their suplex splash combo but nick fights it off we see both teams then going back and forth later on the match ftr hits a bulldog doomsday device which was a homage to the steiner brothers then cash spears nick off the apron to the floor we see dax then go for the pin but get the near fall late in the match we see young bucks pay homage to the dudleys with a 3d then to matt and jeff with a twist of fate swanton combo for a near fall so so far we've seen three teams that was paid homage to three teams that have paved the way for the tag team division we see both teams trying to get the advantage then dax and matt hit each other's injured body parts both men are down but dax gets up and hits a vicious clothesline he then tags in cash who stands in the corner they both standing in the corner now dax and cash and i'm like what's next and then they both put their hands up in the diy position and then they hit the diy finisher to get a near fall so we see an homage to diy a, a team that has been very good in the tag team wrestling world for many years especially in pwg on that independent circuit so they paid homage to them in this match remember ftr had an incredible rivalry with them in nxt and it's good to see that they paid homage to another team that's still in wrestling today we see cash then go up to the top and nick knocks him off then he dives on him we see matt then lock a sharpshooter then nick super kicks dax's injured hand so he can let go the rope then he puts cash in a sharpshooter as well we see matt's knee then give out he wasn't able to hold that sharpshooter very long but then the young bucks hit the bte trigger but cash breaks it up he flew in there like a torpedo and just took matt jackson off of his tag team partner we see matt jackson involve a chair he teases using it and then his brother gets on an apron like don't do this don't do this think about the stipulation and he looks like he's about to hit it but then he throws it he picks up dax they go for the melter driver but cash stops it by power bombing nick into the announce area then they hit their finisher and go for the pin but matt jackson gets his foot on the rope we see ftr attack matt's ankle then they lock on a submission we see cash try to knock nick off the apron with a spear but nick ends up ducking launch
launching Cash out of the ring. And then Nick goes up to the top rope and then he does a 450 on Dax to get the near fall. The end match was Cash super kicks Nick out of the ring. Then he super kicked Matt. He attempts a 450 for the first time ever but misses. And then Matt super kicks him to become the new AEW Tag Team Champions. I didn't think a super kick was going to win him the match, but it did. And the only reason they lost this match was because Cash didn't stick to that code. No flips, just fist. He went for a flip and he ended up paying for it. So we now see new tag team champions. Congrats to the Young Bucks. They truly deserve it. They are one of the best tag teams in the world. FTR did put on a hell of a match. This match was probably the best match, the best tag team match in a long time. Let me just tell you that now. It's probably one of the best tag team matches in a long time. And this is the second match that the Young Bucks have put on that's been phenomenal. So congrats again to the Young Bucks. After that, we see Omega come out and he celebrates with the Young Bucks. But then we look in the background and we see Hangman Adam Page just lurking in the tunnel with the drink in his hand. And I'm sure the announcers was like, hey, who's that guy lurking in there? We all knew it was Hangman Page. I thought that was a great play. You know, he still had his beef with the Young Bucks. So that's a great storytelling right there. Just leave him in the back. Just like, hmm, I wish I could be there. But I'm just going to stand here and enjoy this victory. So it was a really, really good match. Kudos to those men. Now we move on to the next match of the evening. The Ultimate Deletion versus Sammy Guevara, Matt Hardy. We see Hardy makes a call saying he feels it won't be an even match. Then Sammy arrives in a golf cart and he's greeted by Neo One who says you're stupid as fuck for coming here. We then see Neo One disable his golf cart. Then the engine revs and then he turns to the left and sees a monster truck. Matt Hardy then laughs maniacally and he crushes that golf cart. We see Matt Hardy get out of that monster truck and look for Sammy who he thought he crushed but then he's attacked from behind with a trash can by Sammy Guevara. We see Hardy then regain control by using his environment. He tossed Sammy into the tree. He tossed Sammy on the ground. He tossed him everywhere into a garbage can as well. But then Sammy takes control with the hook kick once again. We see Sammy Guevara try to drown Matt Hardy in a fountain. Then Hardy pulls out a staff out the water and then he hits Sammy with it. Then they take to the fight to the ring inside the woods. It was a back and forth contest. We see Matt catch Sammy in midair to hit a side effect for a near fall. Then Hardy puts Sammy through a table. But then out of nowhere Santana and Ortiz come and they attack. Then he uses a walkie talkie under the ring to contact someone and we learn it's private party. Then the attack continues until private party finally arrives and they join the fight. We see Matt light up some fireworks. Then he shoots them at the ring and everyone starts to duck. Then Sammy does the same exact thing and it becomes a standoff. Both men are shooting fireworks at each other. Then private party still does battle with Santana and Ortiz. So they're doing their own thing while Matt and Sammy are doing their own thing. Then we see Matt chasing Sammy with fireworks while Sammy is in the mud. Then he was going to throw Sammy into the pond. Then a mysterious man holding the hurricane hostage appears. He says, you know, this is what you want. You can't do anything. Sammy is protected. And then he takes the hood off and it's Gang Grill. Then we see Private Party then come out of nowhere and attack Gang Grill. We see the hurricane then asks, what took so long? Matt says he had to get to AEW to finish the storyline. And if you don't get it, this happened before. Hurricane two years ago, I think it was on Impact. I don't know where it was exactly. Don't quote me. But in a previously storyline, Matt had a hurricane and hurricane was taken and they never finished that storyline and now they finished it two years later. You got to look more into it because I clearly forgot what where it was, but it took two years for him to actually rescue the hurricane. Now we see Sammy attack Matt Hardy. Then he throws the hurricane in the pond and then he comes back as Shane Helms to interview Sammy. He says, Sammy, what do you feel? Do you feel like you can win this match? And then Sammy Guevara super kicks him and throws him back into the pond. Then the fight continues in the ring in the woods. We see Matt then 
follows Sammy, well, Sammy followed Matt into like a garage area. And then he says, close the gate. And he locks the inner circle, Santana Ortiz and Gangrel out. So now it's officially a one-on-one. -on -one. Then it becomes a hardcore match. We see Sammy then attack Hardy with the ropes. Then he wraps it around Hardy's necks, rendering him unconscious. We see Sammy then place Hardy on the table. He climbs up to a high, high ladder. He's basically touching the roof. Then he hits a swanton bomb only together near fall. Late match, we see Hardy hit a twist of fate, then a spear through two tables on the outside of the ring. Hardy gets payback with a chair to the head, and then he smashes Sammy's head with a chair onto concrete to win the match. Then Private Party and Matt Hardy puts Sammy in a trash bin and roll him to the back of a pickup truck. Then Matt Hardy says, Senor Benjamin, take him away. And then he drives off. We then see Reba Hardy playing the piano, and then the fireworks go off as the winners stand tall. So if most of you didn't notice, that end finish to Sammy and Matt was the same finish that Orton did to Matt to write him off. So it was crazy. If you didn't notice that, then you should go back and watch Randy Orton take uh, Matt Hardy off script, you know, just, just to write him off the show. So I thought that was a fantastic play on the past uh, storyline that he's had with Randy Orton. And he paid homage to that ending. So I thought this all around was a really good match. And it got bumped up to one of the one of the greater matches in cinematic matches. You know, we have our Boneyard. That's always going to be number one. But this is clearly on the top five for best cinematic matches. Then we see Lance Archer and Jake speak. Archer's beating up some random guy. And then they say Archer is tired of training. He's bored. Someone's got to step up to Archer. Archer says he's going to hurt everyone in AEW. You never throw a stone at a glass house, but he's throwing boulders. And everyone in AEW should be on notice. I think this was a really good promo by Lance Archer. I know he wasn't on the show, but he delivered some good promos. And I like the way he's been working on himself and his promo skills. Because back then in New Japan, he didn't really speak a lot. He had Suzuki Goon do that for him. So it's good to see that he's honing his craft. And I hope one day to see him AEW World Champion or the TNT Champion. I don't care what he holds as long as he gets the title. Now we move on to our co-main event of the evening. Chris Jericho versus MJF. And if MJF win, he joins the inner circle. We see MJF's entrance impersonates Chris Jericho's old WWE entrance with the bedazzled jackets and the lights. And I thought that was a great play on, you know, the history of Jericho. We see Max try to shake hands in the beginning, but Jericho ends up smacking him. And then MJF smacks back and they just start to slug it out. But Jericho gets the best of the exchange. We see MJF then counter an Irish whip from Chris Jericho with the clothesline. And then he starts to taunt Chris Jericho. So Chris Jericho ends up taking the advantage right back. We see Jericho then take the camera, pointed at MJF with the middle finger. We know that's Jericho's trademark. He's done it in New Japan so many times. He loves just taking that hard cam and putting it on and putting his middle finger in the camera. Next, we see Chris Jericho try to Judas affect MJF who moves from the ring post. Then Jericho hits the ring post for MJF to take control for a while. MJF was in control until Jericho poked him in the eye. We see Jericho go for the offensive. Then Jericho hits a Frankensteiner from the top rope for a near fall. So it's good to see that Jericho can still move like a cruiserweight. He still has that agility even though he's been doing this for 30 plus years. So I'm glad to see he still has a lot of fight left in him. We see MJF fight Jericho off the turnbuckle. Then he does a double foot stomp on the arm of Jericho and then he starts to taunt once again. Then both men exchange blows. MJF locks on the salt to the earth but Jericho counters it into the walls of Jericho and MJF ends up grabbing the ropes. We see late in the match MJF pulls Aubrey Edwards in front of him to take advantage. He then hits a cold breaker out of nowhere and then a heat seeker on Jericho for a near fall. We see MJF attempt the line salt but misses and then he eats a cold breaker from Jericho for a near fall. So 
So we've seen MJF trying to do Chris Jericho's move and try to get the win with it, but it wasn't happening. And then he tries to attempt Jericho's lion salt, and then he eats a code breaker of Jericho's. So I thought he's doing a really good job of paying homage to Chris Jericho. We know these two have a lot of chemistry together. Even though this is their first match in AW, they're doing really well together. We see Jericho then go for the Judas effect, but MJF counters it to apply the salt of the earth, but Jericho breaks it. Then MJF calls for Wardlow, who gives him that dynamite diamond ring. Then Audrey was distracted with Wardlow, and we see a bat fly out of nowhere to Jericho, and we learn it was thrown by Hager. Then MJF sees Aubrey Edwards is about to turn around, so he drops to the floor playing dead. Then we see Aubrey Edwards trying to reprimand Chris Jericho, and Chris Jericho's trying to defend himself like, I didn't do it, I didn't do it. And MJF rose up Chris Jericho to get the one, two, three. Now MJF is a part of the inner circle. Now I thought things were going to go south from here. I thought Wardlow was going to attack MJF, and then MJF was not going to be in this circle, but Wardlow was. But that didn't happen. We see him and Chris Jericho ends up shaking hands. Jake Hager and Wardlow just kept staring at each other the whole time. And then they just walk away and raise each other's hands. I thought it was a perfect finish to the match. We've seen, you know, Jericho playing the baby face because there couldn't be two heels in this match. Jericho had to play that baby face role and he did it well. And he MJF just did something Chris Jericho would do. He took advantage of an opportunity and now he's a part of the inner circle. So now we have to truly see where that goes because I don't see that really lasting too long. I see Chris Jericho and MJF going at it. We know MJF is going to gloat like I beat you Chris Jericho. I beat you in our first match ever and Chris Jericho is really not going to accept that. So I don't think this is going to last that long but really good match between both of the men. We learned that AW Revolution will be February 27th 2021. So we're four months away from the next pay-per-view. So we also head backstage to a little segment where Orange Cassidy is being interviewed. He says how does he feel about his match? He says cool but then we see Kip Sabian approach Orange Cassidy with Miro and Penelope Ford. He says your Dark Order stuff almost got my fiance hurt so apologize. Orange says he's sorry and then Kip smacks him and says that wasn't good enough and Orange says you know what it's cool and walks away. I thought that was good baby face work by Orange Cassidy just saying sorry and just moving along but I think now we're gonna have ourselves a little rivalry between Kip Sabian and Orange Cassidy. It gives Kip Sabian something to do and Orange Cassidy something to do at the same time. Now we move on to the main event of the evening the most anticipated match on the card John Moxley versus Eddie Kingston for the AEW World Championship in an I Quit match. Now before I get to this match I want to point out that John Moxley is 20 and 0 in 2020. This man hasn't lost all damn year and I don't think this guy's going to lose anytime soon. I truly do want Eddie Kingston to win this match. So now I'm going to start this match. Both men slug it out early. Then Kingston gets rocked but then he's still able to exchange chops with John Moxley. Then they grapple for a few but then they go back to slugging it out with chops and smacks. Eddie Kingston involves a chair but before he can use it he eats a suicide dive from John Moxley who then throws a chair at the head of Eddie Kingston. We see Kingston then begins to build some momentum. Then Eddie involves more chairs but then Mox attacks Eddie with a barbed wire bat out of nowhere. Then he rubs it in the face of Eddie. So so far these two men are going at it. They're bloody already. Not super bloody but John Moxley's bloody and Eddie Kingston's bleeding out his mouth. We see John Moxley attempt to swing that bat at Eddie Kingston once again but Kingston counters it with a German suplex. Then he launches a chair at Mox's head and then he slams him on that baseball bat. We see Eddie Kingston then pull the barbed wire with his bare hands. He then wraps it around his own hand and starts raining down blows. Then he hits a spinning back fist then applies the Kimura lock. The referee asks John Moxley if he quits and Moxley says no. We see Moxley then reverses Eddie's suplex onto the chair late in the match to suplex him through the chairs that Eddie Kingston set up. And then we see Eddie Kingston finally build some more momentum. He 
takes out John Moxley. He then goes under the ring. He pulls out that black bag and instantly when you see that black bag, you already know what's in there. It's thumbtacks. We see Eddie Kingston then deliver Uranagi to Moxley onto those thumbtacks. Then he gets out to get the barbed wire and then he asks the ref, did he quit yet? And the referee says, no, he hasn't quit. And then he involves alcohol in the match. He delivers multiple crotch shots. He's just stomping on John Moxley's crotch area. It's just, I don't know what's going on in this match. This match took a different turn. They, these guys just beating the hell out of each other. Then Eddie Kingston pours that alcohol on John Moxley's back, which had all the tacks in it. So you can imagine all those open wounds and alcohol that must have burned like hell. And then he picks up tacks with his bare hand and starts to punch Mox with it. Kingston then locks on the bulldog choke. Moxley still doesn't give up. We see Moxley then counter the choke with a sleeper hold. Then he locks on the bulldog choke of his own, but Eddie doesn't quit. And then we see Mox deliver a paradigm shift. The end match was Mox does a bulldog choke. He wraps the barbed wire around his arm and then he puts it around Eddie's neck. We see Eddie try to fight it off for a little bit, but was unable to when Eddie Kingston finally gives up. So we see John Moxley retain the championship. He is now 21 and 0 in 2020. This match was brutal. These two beat the hell out of each other and we, we knew it wasn't going to be anything flashy. We knew there wasn't going to be no flips, no nothing. It was just going to be two men brawling, two men who know each other so well just going head to head and that's exactly what we got. I thought it was the perfect main event for these two. Nothing crazy. These two just gave it their all and kudos to both those men. After that, we see Mox trying to help Eddie Kingston up but Eddie pushes him away. I thought these two were going to like hash it out and be friends again but clearly Eddie just doesn't respect him anymore and I don't think that friendship will ever be. Then we see Kenny Omega come out and we know he is facing John Moxie for that AEW World Championship. It most likely will happen next year at Revolution at that pay-per-view. So we have some time. You know, it's a lot of build-up to that story. When you think about it, this story has been built up for, for, for many, many, many months now because when Kenny Omega first started, he started that full gear and that's when that rivalry with John Moxley really started. So they put it away for a little bit, but that build-up has been great. And now we're probably going to have an even better match. We even seen Kenny Omega say, I don't want none of this. I don't want the hardcore stuff. I just want a real technical wrestling match. And I think John Moxley can do that with Kenny Omega. Now, do I see Kenny Omega taking that title off of John Moxley? Yes, I do. If the Young Bucks got the tag team championships, I feel like Omega is going to win that AEW World Champion. That's the only title right now that's eluding him in this company. He's held the tag team championship. He hasn't held the TNT, but he's going to hold that world title. I promise you. Now, this ends the pay-per-view. This pay-per-view was fantastic. It, it jumped to one of my favorites. Every match was an interesting match. Every match was a really well-written match. I think this pay-per-view did no wrong. I'm sure there's people out there who probably like, yeah, this sucks. WWE's pay-per-views are better. I'm not a mark. I'm not going to be like, yeah, this is, you know, AEW is the best. AEW just put on a really fantastic show tonight. They did no wrong in this show. There wasn't a dull moment. There wasn't a moment where I got bored. I was out at my seat the whole time. It was a really good show. If you haven't watched it, you should check it out. I'm sure you can find it on repeat on Fight TV and stuff like that. So let me know if you enjoyed this show. You can message me on Twitter. I was live tweeting through the show at Wrestling From or on Facebook at Ray Colazzo. So ladies and gentlemen, this has been Wrestling From the Crowd Extra. I really hope you enjoyed it. I'm sorry if it feels like it's rushed, but it's super late. I'm exhausted and I just want to give this out to you guys who are loyal and who still watch and listen to my podcast. So thank you once again. This has been Wrestling From the Crowd Extra. Good morning, good evening, good night, wherever you are.